Hello and welcome in to another edition of the Fantasy Football Pod coming at you on Tuesday night, August 29th. We are uh, only nine days away from NFL action. Your Kansas City Chiefs taking on the Detroit Lions on Thursday night football. Couldn't be more excited. Uh, Cody, how many drafts have you done? How many do you have left? Got a whole whole one done so far, and that took place this Saturday afternoon at good old Lake of the Ozarks. So um, yes, I have one that's going to be tomorrow night, so that'll be Wednesday night for those who are listening. I got another one that's going to be, I believe, this Sunday, and then I'll have another one that's going to wrap up a couple days before the season starts. So I actually still nice. – this is probably the latest that my most of my drafting has ever gone on to. I think usually about the weekend of the last season or the last week of preseason is usually when most of my teams are already drafted by. So a little bit of different yep. this year, but you know, hopefully with the different cuts and stuff that we've seen today, kind of can make some different draft picks towards the end of my drafts and take advantage of that. But uh, yeah, it's, I mean, before we jump into the football stuff, I know we got a Mount Rushmore and some other stuff we're going to get into. How did you like your draft from this Saturday? Uh, what are some highlights? What are some lowlights from your team in the Fantasy League? I feel pretty good about it. Um, I liked a lot of the value that I got. Uh, I feel like if I'm going to give just kind of an overall quick synopsis, I'm sure we'll go into a deeper dive at some point, uh, maybe show our rosters and kind of go over uh, what our thought process was with each pick. But I think in general, I ended up with a bit of an older team than I wanted. Got a lot of good value, though. So uh, there were some points on the board where I would have been really reaching for a younger player to uh, you know, take instead of a veteran. I think in general, I would have. I wish I could have gone a little younger, but I can't really argue with any of the individual picks I made. I'd probably have to go back and look to, to double-check. But uh, what do you think? How about your team? Uh, to, to comment on your team, I do think you have a really solid team going into the year. I think that we both kind of, when you're towards the end of the draft in our draft, because it doesn't snake it's So I, I was the 11th spot. I had the 11th spot in every round. You're basically getting just the old talent that's left on the board because we're moving from four to six keepers. So everyone was just ripping young guys as basically soon as they could. Um, I was a little bit thrown off by that. Even in my mocks, I kind of tried to fill in where some young guys probably would go, and I just didn't expect basically any somewhat good rookie or second-year player to basically be off the board immediately. So then no one, I didn't really feel like anyone slipped to me. The only guy I felt like I got maybe really good value on since we're moving up a keeper is Anthony Richardson in the fifth round. Uh, I was a little surprised that he did end up falling to me there. So if he ends up turning into anything, that'll be really helpful uh, when we, you know, up the keepers. But besides that, I'm, I'm in the same spot. I have a little bit of an older team than I'd prefer. I would have loved to have gotten a Jahan Dotson, a Zay Flowers, something like that to bring some youth. I did get a Marvin, I did get Marvin Mims, which, you know, nice with pick. all the injuries in Denver may, you know, may turn into something this year, but, um, like I said, it was it was a fun time. I think the team's going to work out pretty good. We're in win now mode. We're in you know Super Bowl or bust mode at this point. So we got yeah. we got to try and got to try and put the team together to win. So I think I think it's pretty solid. But uh, also shout out to Nick for planning the weekend before we jump into the next thing. Appreciate you, bud. I don't know if anyone else told you that, but you you did a hell of a job, hell of a place. So appreciate Thanks, that, guys. bud. Yeah, no, the, the boys showed their appreciation for sure. I think last comment before we moved to the Mount Rushmore, I thought it was kind of funny that you ended up with Kyle Pitts and I ended up with Christian Watson. Uh, I don't know. For those of you who have been following the pod, uh, this summer we did some uh, disagreements on our rankings show uh, earlier this August, and I was arguing in the affirmative for Pitts. Cody was detra- I was on the opposite side, and then I was arguing against Watson, and Cody was on the, uh, the affirmative side. So it's kind of funny how that ended up working out that way, but um, yeah, I guess when we go more in depth about it, it'll, it'll make more sense once we kind of explain the rationale behind our picks. But I, I thought that was a pretty funny tidbit that that worked out like that. Yep. You, you sold me on Kyle Pitts the night before, maybe a few, <laughs> a few quirks into the night or so, but yeah, you, uh, you said something that stuck <laughs> in my mind and that was next year, next year, if he has even somewhat of a remotely good year, his value is going way up from here. Like you're not getting a yeah. In our draft, Barring. he would have been before any of the wide receivers that came, really came off the board. Like if he was healthy and somewhat good, so I was like, "All right, yeah. I'd, I'll try and take the advantage of tight end and see how it works out." I've also never had I Kyle think- Pitts on a roster, so I haven't had the sting of Kyle Pitts yet. So this will be the year that it finally happens to me. 
where you were picking, it was, uh, it was, I think it was the best value on the board for sure. Again, we'll, uh, We'll probably go into more depth in that at some point, show you guys the draft board. Uh, you could tell us how, how stupid our picks were. Cody, do you want to introduce Absolutely. our Mount Rushmore and then I'll kick it off? Absolutely. Let's do it. So this, or I guess on this episode, we're going to switch it up. We've been doing a couple hot takes. We're going to go back to the Mount Rushmore. And uh, I think this one's super relative, not only in football, just but just in general. I think anyone could really listen to this and, and, be interested uh but we're doing our favorite athletes to watch current players that are playing i don't know if you picked anyone who recently retired but i'd let that slide i understand that that's you know if it just happened or something but relatively current players that are playing who are our favorite to watch now i let or nick i'm gonna let you take the first spot here you get pick number one who is your current favorite athlete to watch and are you picking your current favorite athlete or you do you have a different one that you think you're going to get back around so you're just going to go with a more obvious choice i i don't think you're going to have any of my guys on the board so i went a little bit (laughs) different i i think so i went with guys that aren't necessarily completely mainstream for their sports uh, just because those are the type of players I sort of gravitate towards anyway. I think if we ever do a an all-time draft, this would be a little more fun because honestly, when I was going through my list, I like just in my head, I was like, all these players I'm thinking of are retired or they, you know, they're, they're like early 2000s players because the, the players that I think of when I think, oh, this is my favorite player to watch is when I was like 10. And then, you know, that's just like where sure. the bond was formed when I was younger. But anyway, I'm going to go with a player that kind of fits both of those categories. And this one, definitely not on your board. I would be shocked if it was, but it's Rafael Nadal. It's been my favorite tennis player since mm-hmm. I was a very, very young boy. Uh, my whole family was uh, Roger Federer fans. And then Nadal was kind of the, uh, the up and comer that challenged him. So he's been my favorite tennis player since I was probably eight years old. And he's still... You know, on the back end of his career for sure, but still a really good player, just really fun to watch. And uh, if you appreciate tennis, you you know how good he is. Absolutely. It was uh is Nadal the one that's just dominant on clay courts? That's Doesn't right. He have just yep. the insane record on clay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I that's uh it. I mean it would have been the time that we were growing up, Nadal, Federer, and then Djokovic kind of came in towards the end. Anytime tennis yep. came up on ESPN, it was one of those three guys basically my entire yeah. childhood. So uh, yeah, super, left-handed super stroke cool in tennis there, actually. is also way more pretty to watch than uh, the righty stroke. Uh, pretty much any sport, I feel yeah. like, is that's almost the case. Yeah, that is that is fair. But no, that's actually a really good 101. Um, so I got two picks here. My first round pick, now that you kind of told me that, I may actually change some of my later picks depending on who you take at the 2-3. But two guys I'm definitely going to take because I think these two get me to the TV more than anybody else if they are in contention in their event or if, if they're uh, – first one, I'll go Conor McGregor. Uh, if he is fighting, whether – if it's a boxing event, whether it's in UFC, it's going to get me to the TV. Um, I don't necessarily agree with all the trash talk that he does. I know a lot of people love him specifically for that. I think some of it gets a little overboard. I don't think you got to talk about you know religion, family, stuff like that. That's a little little personal. Uh, but Conor McGregor, I mean, just his style, his knockouts, they're just, they're beautiful. Um, he's, he's my number one pick. And then my number two is definitely going to be pretty specific to myself probably, but Jordan Spieth in golf, um, he is no longer one of the most dominant golfers in the world, but just about every single week, this guy does something that probably no one else in the world can do with a golf club. I mean, some of the shots that he can hit, some of the putts that he makes from so far in certain situations, just absolutely incredible. So the first two, Conor McGregor, Jordan Spieth. Nick, what do you think about them? I, I knew we'd have some golfer going off the board at 1-2 here for you. I didn't know where you're going to go, but uh, Spieth's a fine choice. I'm not going to act like I'm an expert on either one of these sports. So obviously, Conor McGregor, probably the most famous UFC fighter of you know current times, maybe not the best, but... Certainly the one that would pop into the, uh, you know, layman's mind when speaking of uh, any UFC, you know, fights or anything like that. So uh, Spieth, I remember, had that dominant run a couple of years ago. I haven't heard much of him lately, but I'm sure he's still in contention here and there. So it's it's a fine pick. I, you are I'll let I'll, I'll leave the uh, the subtleties and, you know, the the, the finer details <laughs> of golf to you to appreciate. So I'll trust your judgment there. Um, yeah. OK, so with my two, three. 
I'm going to go off. I'm going to give my one homer pick off the board here, and uh, that's going to be Pat Sertan, cornerback from the Denver Broncos. Uh, I absolutely love shutdown cornerbacks in football, and uh, honestly, so safeties and cornerbacks are my favorite two like positions to appreciate, not on the offensive end that aren't like super obvious players that are like, oh, it's a quarterback, it's a wide receiver, you know, things that kind of everybody can easily appreciate, but those are my favorite type of football players to have on a team. And like, if I was a GM, I would love having a shutdown corner and Pat Sertan, just young, really good on my favorite team. So he's one of my favorite to watch. And then Leon Dreisaitl went a little bit off the board. NHL, he is a center for the Edmonton Oilers. He is the, uh, he plays with Connor McDavid, who is the best player in the league. If you are a, uh, you know, an, an NHL novice, you've probably heard of Connor McDavid. Leon Dreisaitl is kind of his sidekick, but Really, really good player. Really fun to watch. Has some kind of incredible goals. He scores a lot of uh, goals from like the like just right on the goal line. He's he's got an incredible shot. So he's really fun to watch and kind of a uh, you know a a not mainstream pick from from someone that isn't necessarily an NHL aficionado. Yeah, I same same thing that you said about golf. I'm gonna I'm gonna say about hockey. I do <laughs> yeah, not watch fair. very much or understand it very well, but. <laughs> If you if you told me watch this guy because I think he's really good, I would turn on the TV and watch him if I could. So yeah, um, yeah, I, I absolutely um, okay. And then also, I just want to say on the Pat Sertain uh, pick, I thought I was going to get him in the fourth round. Very similar to you. Did I you love really watching wow. shutdown corners? Yes, uh, I I yeah. I mean my my homer Damn, pick would I be Patrick pick Mahomes, him. and it may be in the fourth round now. Just be Patrick Mahomes since he's there. Sure. Uh, but it would have been Pat Sertan because I I too just love watching corners shut down. Can't believe I sniped you. And, and Sauce Gardner have any of my guys on the board. Yep, he, him for sure. I think man, that's that sucks because I was definitely thought I was going to just surprise you with that one in the fourth, but. <laughs> Um, okay. So my third round pick, I'll go ahead and just take the Homer pick as well and just go Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he's probably right up there with the list of guys that immediately get me in front of a TV. Um, so there's really not much else to say about that. It's great being a bandwagon cheese fan, move to Kansas city at the perfect time and uh, get to enjoy all of that. So at least you admit it. uh, My last one is I guess retired. So I'm probably eh, actually, hold on. I'm not, I'm going to switch it because I'm not, Okay, I guess she is somewhat retired, but I, it's also tennis. It's Serena Williams. Just that's fair enough. She she I retired guess, within the last okay. twelve months, probably. So I'll, I'll yeah, she she also like was high potentially coming back for another tournament, and then I don't think it actually went through or something. So I think she is officially yeah. retired. If like you googled it, but uh, just growing up and again, just as a kid who literally probably watched more ESPN growing up than like Disney channel or other cartoons, just because I was intrigued in what was going on in sports. Serena Williams was on there every single time a tennis event was happening. She was dominating the world of tennis, uh, came back, did it again, you know, just an unbelievable story and just an unbelievable career that I don't, I think it's overlooked a little bit when we talk about like greatest athletes of all time. I think she 100% can be in that discussion. Uh, just, when you compare her to the other female tennis players out there. Yeah. Great pick. Pretty, uh, pretty straightforward. Can't really argue with either one of them. Mahomes and Serena Williams, maybe a little mainstream uh, for my taste, but both, uh, you know, can't argue with either one of those selections for my last round pick. I, uh, another thing I tried to do here was go with four different sports. So my, my fallback option was an NFL player, but since I none of mine got stolen, Julio Rodriguez uh, from the Seattle Mariners. He's a Major League Baseball player, center fielder. One of my favorite players to watch. I just uh, He's a young superstar center fielder. I think he's 22 years old. He can absolutely hit bombs. And, uh, you know, he's really fast. He steals bases. He pretty much does anything. And he is on a, an unbelievable hot streak right now. Uh, I think he has, he has five four-hit games in the month of August, which is pretty much impossible to do in this day and age in baseball. So, Incredible young player uh, and really, really fun to watch. Again, tried to diversify my uh, my sports here with all four of my guys. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Julio Rodriguez had – it wasn't this past home run derby, but the one the year previous. Yeah, that's right. Had one of the best displays in a single round of the mm-hmm. home run derby probably ever. I mean, it was unbelievable. 
Um, I love baseball. Actually, I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned a baseball player because I want to give my honorable mention to uh, Cole Raggins or Ragans, whatever his name is. He's a young pitcher for the Royals that I got to watch tonight. Dude has some nasty stuff, like actual nasty stuff. Had, uh, I think, nine strikeouts tonight was the second Royal ever to have 50 in, in a month. He's basically been averaging like nine strikeouts a game over the month since he got traded to the Royals. Never watched him before today, but he went seven innings, gave up three hits, struck out nine, maybe one or two walks, and then the Royals brought in their relievers and just blew the game that he had. So <laughs> I feel bad for Sounds him. Justice right. for Cole uh, Reagans or Ragans. Sorry, I don't know how to say your name, but you absolutely killed it tonight. It was a pleasure to watch. I have not watched like pitching that to that level in quite some time. Now my my honorable mention is going to be Justin Fields, uh, another Homer pick. Not because Homer. he's my favorite team, but because it is uh, my quarterback on my uh, dynasty team. So I absolutely love to watch him. He's just different. Is uh, his run against Miami last year is imprinted in my brain when I think about Justin Fields just absolutely blowing past guys in the secondary that all took horrible angles because they just underestimate how fast he is. But yeah, I mean that dude's absolutely different i think he could really explode this year he's he's incredibly fun to watch man i'm fucking ready for some football just talking yeah, just talking too, about that just let's man let's go. go let's get it here all right, all right uh, uh, we went a little long with that segment so i'll let you go ahead and jump into it actually let's go ahead and just get into it. have you heard the news time for nick's news and notes from around the nfl love to hear it this was actually nfl cut day so i'm glad we waited until uh this tuesday night to do this news and notes update because we have a lot more to uh to go off of here the big one we're gonna jump to off the top here that's jonathan taylor he did not get traded so he's still on the colts that was a self-imposed deadline by the way i don't know if anybody saw that you know taylor had until tuesday to find a trade partner that was just because of the roster cut down day so the colts could still trade him theoretically if they uh you know they come across a deal they like but the big the big news was that he remained on the pup list he so he will miss the first four games of the year i don't know if that says that taylor is just that upset that the colts don't think he's going to come back or that this ankle injury is real but either way massive blow to his fantasy value uh if you're hopefully you haven't drafted yet or if you have already drafted taylor um, you know, it's definitely a tough situation, but Cody, uh, how and when are you drafting Jonathan Taylor at this point? Uh, if you have a draft in the next couple of days. Yeah, I, one, I would like to apologize to anyone who has taken my advice over this past weekend and just went ahead and drafted him because I was 100% on the side that he was going to be on the Colts and he was going to be playing week one, which one of those is true, but the more important side of him actually playing football is not going to be at this point. So, um, I I mean, if he was going, you know, with the rough news already, the 2-3 turn, I I mean, I understand his talent's massive, but, you I mean, you've got to take guys that you know are going to play above him. You know he's out for I'm around four five weeks. Yeah, yeah. Because I think he, yeah. I think he profiles similarly to Brees Hall and Alvin Kamara because they're both, you know, Brees Hall obviously yeah. injury has Dalvin Cook. He's going to take a little bit to get going. Uh, Kamara missing the first three games, uh, but you know, not quite the same talent level at this point in his career, and maybe on a, uh, you know, a team with a little bit more competition. So, I think, I think I would take him in round five. I think that's where the gamble becomes worth it. But yeah, it's it's a tough situation if you're totally out. I don't blame you. Because uh, there's still uncertainty with this ankle injury. I mean, who knows how real it is. This was something that he was dealing with at the end of last year. So it has been a long time and it's still a problem. Uh, it's scary, but to get a guy that should be probably a first round pick, if all uh, you know, if he was just completely healthy coming into this year in round five is a swing I might take depending on your league size and how much depth you have. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's probably the toughest part for me is even taking them in round five. You know, it's it's a valuable pick when you're looking at the running backs that are usually going in that round. So, yeah, it's for me, it's going to personally be tough to draft Jonathan Taylor at this point. Um, like Nick said, I mean, there's always going to be a time where you just look at the other names around him and his talent alone is going to, you know, make you draft him. So, I would definitely do it if there's. No, I feel like you know there's a clear drop off between him and the next guy, but 
I mean, would you take? I mean, I think I think I know where you're at here. Would you take J.K. Dobbins over him right now? I'll take Dobbins. Yep. Yeah, I figure. Would you take Damian Pierce or Jonathan? I'll take Pierce. I think Pierce is probably, okay. again, a, a high fifth, early fourth round pick. Kind of same with Dobbins. Maybe Dobbins more so fifth. I think the line is, you know, I'd take, I'd take Taylor over Kamara. Um, I would take Taylor over Alexander Madison. Um, you know, so I think he'd slot in right at, you know, RB22, RB23, somewhere around there. But, um, yeah, certainly a tough situation. If you are, you know, more like Cody and you are, you know, want to wait another round or two even past my, uh, you know, my round five range then i don't really blame you but uh again i i kind of like to just swing for the fences in a general sense when it comes to fantasy so that's uh that's where i'd i'd lean are you concerned at all about him potentially not playing this season i i guess but no i mean i don't think so because he needs to come back and play to uh you know to other, otherwise he's going to get franchised or not he's he's not he will he will be eligible for the franchise tag this offseason, but he needs to play this year or at least be put on IR or try to be coming back. Otherwise the Colts can, you know, roll his contract over to next year. So they still I, have two more franchise tags if he remains on the They do. This but yeah, I mean his yeah. his a franchise tag would be a massive raise for what Taylor's making right now. He wasn't a first round pick, he's a second round pick. Um, and if if he can, you know, come out healthy after this year and next, assuming he gets franchised by the Colts, he'll still be pretty young. He doesn't have that fifth-year option like those first-round backs do. So uh, I think if you're Taylor, you got to try and come back and look good. Otherwise, you're not going to get a contract from another team. So uh, it's I think it's in everyone's best interest for him to come back and play well. Yep. Okay. I that That's fair, uh, you know, fair – I don't know. Whenever I got the news and I was looking at it at work, I was I was going through the scenarios in my head just thinking about him not playing football this season. So I think I mentally I got a little more down on him than I need to. But yeah, I I do too. Just the way I've I've thought about it all off season, it just it makes zero sense for running backs to not play, even though any interest in any of the other Colts backs? Uh, I guess Deion Jackson, Evan Hull. Uh, Zach Moss may be the guy when he's healthy, but he has a broken arm. He might be ready for week one. Um, I, in my opinion, I think I'd be, if I'm picking one up, it's Kareem Hunt. And hopefully they, the Indianapolis Colts sign him because they had him in the building. I think if it's, I think if it's not him, then the rest of these guys are just going to be in too much of a committee for you to be comfortable starting one of them week to week. Yeah, 100%. We saw it last year that when when Jonathan Taylor was not on the field, none of the running backs had, had good weeks for the Colts. So I'm right there with you. Anthony Richardson also kind of just takes away a lot of goal line opportunity goal from, line, yeah. from mm-hmm. any of the three. So you're really hoping if you're putting someone from a committee out there, you're either getting a lot of touches, a big play, or a touchdown. And Anthony Richardson kind of scares me away from any of that. So I'm probably avoiding all Colts running backs. Like you said, I mean, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I'm looking at a draft here. If he does fall to the fifth, I think that's fine to take the shot on Jonathan Taylor. I do agree with Nick that he's not missing football this season. So I had to, had to think that one out here on live on the show, but glad glad I got to a reasonable spot. Definitely better in non-PPR as well. I'm a little more comfortable taking him in that format. but uh, And if you have an IR spot, he will be more valuable in that league as well, because you will be able to place him on uh, the IR position for the first four weeks. Then you can take your shot on, um, you know, either another high upside back or one of these Colts backs up backups. If you want to fill the gap uh, until he uh, is back, let's go ahead and move on to Josh Jacobs. He is the success story. Uh, it's kind of funny to see the, uh, you know, these two stories play themselves out because they started at a very similar spot. Both Jacobs and Taylor were, you know, end of the first early second round picks to start the process both of them had the contract, you know, situations going on. Taylor kind of had that injury that cropped up as well that sort of complicated things, obviously. But Jacobs ends up agreeing to a one-year $12 million deal. He's going to be there. I think you can take him in the, you know, high second round. You have no worries. They're going to beat him the ball this year as long as he's healthy. Uh, he's, he's in line for 300-plus touches. I echo basically everything you just said there. He would be my... Probably my fifth running back off the board. I think I'd go Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler, Nick Chubb. And then really number four is a decision between Saquon, Bijan, and Josh Jacobs. And 
Yep. As we're sitting here today, I'd probably go Josh Jacobs because I think he has the highest upside and probably the safest floor of the three when we look at Saquon's injury history and Bijan just not playing in the NFL snaps yet. So I like Jacobs quite a bit, but we've been this has been a pro Josh Jacobs podcast for both being AFC West fans. We've both been pretty high on Josh Jacobs the past year. Yeah, I think in any redraft situation, you got to be real comfortable with him. He's going to get, like I said, a lot of touches. He's on a one-year deal. As far as the Raiders are concerned, uh, you know they are absolutely going to run him into the ground this year, if I had to guess. So as long as he's healthy, he's going to be a great pick. Feel very comfortable taking him in the second round of your fantasy drafts. The 49ers traded Trey Lance finally to the Cowboys for a fourth-round pick. Don't think this means much for fantasy or otherwise uh, at the moment. Maybe the Cowboys can salvage something here. Uh, I I think it's fine. I, I heard a lot of people saying the Cowboys gave up a lot, but if, if Trey Lance has a 5% chance of turning into a decent quarterback, it's worth a fourth-round pick in my opinion. So I, I don't mind it on either side. I don't really have much to add from a fantasy angle. It, it's not going to matter to anyone here. It, 100%. I think all the people talking about, you know, Trey Lance being the Dak Prescott secession plan is just moronic. I think Dak is far and away a better quarterback right now, and he probably will be in five years compared to Trey Lance. So, um, yeah, I I don't know. I I mean, it's sad because I think Trey Lance's career is pretty much over. I mean, the Cowboys situation isn't that much better than the 49ers. He's going to be the third string guy on either roster and probably not get a lot of opportunity, which is probably what he needs more than anything right now. Like, what would be the best thing for Trey Lance's career would be another year of college football and just get him a full year of just live reps again because it's been so long since he's had since he's consistently played football. So that's probably one of the biggest bust picks in NFL history when we go back and look about what what he got traded for and all that other stuff. But yeah, kind of sucks. I as a guy who wanted Trey Lance to turn into something last year, drafted him in a few leagues and uh. Like I said, kind of sucks to see what I think is basically his career coming to an end. Yeah, he is definitely fighting an uphill battle at this point uh, to find an NFL starting job. We'll see how it works out in Dallas. The Cardinals cut veteran QB Colt McCoy in a surprising move. Uh, in uh, It was surprising because they also uh, kept Kyler Murray on the pup list, so he will definitely miss at least the first four weeks. There's some buzz that he will miss more than that. I think this situation a bit similar to Jonathan Taylor's situation where Kyler Murray himself needs to rebuild his value. If he's healthy and ready to go, I don't think he's going to not play football, but his injury, obviously a little more obviously hard to come back from because we know what he's dealing with. He had a multiple ligament late season knee injury, whereas Jonathan Taylor's ankle injury, a bit more ambiguous. So we'll see what Kyler Murray's situation ends up being, but he's going to miss at least the first four weeks. Clayton Toon or Josh Dobbs will start for the Arizona Cardinals. My goodness, um, if you have Marquise Brown on your team or even uh, James Conner, I guess I feel a little more comfortable with James Conner just because obviously he's going to, you know, he's not going to have to be catching balls down the field from one of these guys, but I just think this offense could be a complete mess. So I, um, I'm i probably moving Brown down a round or two and Conner maybe down a round as well. Yeah, the, the Cardinals are going to be terrible this season. Um even I mean, even when Kyler comes back, their defense isn't going to be very good. When Kyler comes back, he might be a pretty good fantasy asset because they're probably going to be losing every week, even Stash with Kyler hit quarterback. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, like good old Nicholas did in our in our league. So <laughs> that was a good pickup. I saw that and I was like, damn, <laughs> that's that's it's a solid one. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I don't really. I mean, yeah, I I was okay drafting Hollywood Brown with Cole McCoy because. I felt like Cole McCoy could get him the football. Clayton Toon, we've never seen, and Josh Jobs. I mean, we've seen him in multiple stints here and there with, I believe, the Steelers, the Titans, and he may have had one other stop, but just has not really looked like a great or a good NFL quarterback that no, you know, he's not gives good me, this preseason. Does no. not make me feel good for the wide receiver value on that team. So, yeah. And then any of the other ancillary pieces, whether it was a tight end you were taking late or Rondale Moore. You you can you don't have to worry about them. Yeah, don't 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 put them on your roster. But yeah, Cardinals are going to be bad. So let's. I'll be interested to see. I hope they get either them the Texans end up with the worst record because I just want to see the Kyler Murray, 
you know, like what happens with him because they're obviously drafting Caleb Williams. Most they likely, will so. certainly draft Caleb Williams. Kyler Murray will be traded yeah. for whatever they can get for him. Uh, it's probably going to be not much because his contract is pretty hefty. So it's going to involve yeah. them either eating a lot of it to get to get some return or someone just basically taking the contract for them and, you know, them giving away Kyler Murray. But I think if they got Caleb Williams and Marvin, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. out of it, they would not be too upset. All right, I'm going to run through the rest of the news and notes because uh, a lot of this stuff doesn't have a ton of fantasy impact. I'll save the one that does for the end, uh, so I'll just go through the rest. Corey Davis, he retired at 28 years old, Jets wide receiver. He left like a $10 million contract on the table. Kind of an interesting situation there, but I guess you can feel a little more comfortable uh, if you had a, if you're in a really deep league, you have Alan Lazard. He's not going to be taking him off the field, um, but I don't think this has a ton of fantasy impact at the end of the day. I wanted to throw this one in there so Cody could get uh, his tears in. Chris Jones has stated he is willing to sit out until week eight. That's a pretty big deal for the Chiefs defense. I think mostly for, you know, if you have a running back playing against the Chiefs, you can feel a little more comfortable playing uh, playing them against uh, this Chiefs defense because he is a very, very key piece to their defensive line. JSN is expected to begin the year on the active roster. That does not mean he's going to play week one. Uh, but it does mean that he avoided either the pup or short-term IR. So he is uh, the, the Seahawks are telling us they're expecting him to play within the first couple weeks. I think you can feel pretty good about drafting him in the eighth or ninth round, like you have been. The Broncos traded tight end Albert Aguavenam to the Eagles for basically a pick swap. Not much. They, uh, you know, in twenty twenty-five, I think it was a sixth for a seventh, basically. So uh, Broncos dump Albert Aguavenam. You can feel a little better about Greg Dulcich, I guess. Jets are cutting running back Bam Knight. little surprise there. I'm sure he'll get picked up by somebody. Might uh, factor into a running back rotation on a needy team. Ravens cut uh, Melvin Gordon. That one's not um, very fantasy relevant. Eagles cut Trey Sermon. I only put this in here to say that Rashad Penny kept his roster spot. So if you did draft him late in your drafts, hang on to him for at least a week or two. See how his role shakes out. Surprising cut here. Not much fantasy relevance, but just uh, wanted to throw this in here. The Patriots cut both of their backup quarterbacks, Bailey Zappi and Malik Cunningham. I think they probably have their eye on somebody on waivers, but I was uh, definitely surprised to see them cut both of them. Uh, even one of them, I expected. I would have guessed, well, they both made the roster, but neither one of them did. So definitely surprising there. And then my Broncos trading for kicker Will Lutz from the Saints as Sean Payton continues to turn this organization into the 2018 New Orleans Saints. Do um, you have any comments on any one of those news bits before I get to the last one here? Nope. Um, nope. Other than Albert Aguabanam cost me 20 bucks and then gets traded <laughs> two days later. <laughs> yes, I, did. I, I forgot about I, that. <laughs> Oh yeah, I texted Oway about that today. I was like, oh, I "Can't believe man. this fucker cost me twenty bucks and then gets traded a couple days later." That's, that's nuts. Actually, well, it was yeah, he got released because that's that, that was the first thing that that came across. But yep, yeah, that, we, uh, uh, that one was kind of funny. We were really trying to squeeze that six round pick out of the Eagles. He had a hundred yards and a touchdown in the uh, the last preseason game before getting cut. Uh, or I guess it was reported he was going to get cut early in the day. Then he got traded. But either way, uh, the Broncos basically dumped him. Jerry Judy, uh, this is actually good news, similar to JSN. He is expected to miss several weeks with a hamstring injury. We didn't talk about that on our last pod, but his status for uh, week one being uncertain and not being placed on the pup or short-term IR was good news from what we originally saw with that hamstring injury. So we didn't talk about Jerry Judy getting injured at all, but the injury news that has come out since then has been positive uh, as, as far as what we expected originally. It looked pretty bad. He was carted off. Uh, you know, hamstring injury is always scary. I think there is still definitely risk for re-injury, so you're dropping him at least a round or two. I'd say instead of round five, you're looking at round six or seven. But it looks like uh, all things go well. Again, hamstring injuries very, very apt to re-injure, so you got to watch this one. But uh, it looks like the Broncos are telling us they don't expect this to be super serious. Yeah, I think if if I can get Jerry Judy in the seventh round of my fantasy football draft, I I'm willing to take him there for Mm -hmm. sure. Yeah, that's um, in the fifth, probably not in the sixth. It always depends on who's going around him and what my you know need positionally is. But in the seventh, I think he almost becomes an auto selection unless someone else randomly falls. Um, And the reason, my reason behind that is I don't trust Corlin Sutton, and the only other real receiver there now is Marvin Mims, who's a rookie who. Could be pretty good. Hopefully he's really good for my sake, for my mini dynasty team. But 
you know, if I had to bet on him being very good for football and fantasy football, I'd probably go on the other side of it, just looking at, you know, the historical data. So for me, Jerry Judy is still, I think, the clear number one on this team. I think he's still the most talented receiver. Nick did point out a, had a uh, pointed out a great thing when it comes to it is a hamstring injury. I would probably bet money there's going to be another hamstring flare up at some point this season. It just usually happens like that. So or an adjacent definitely muscle, something yeah, you're going to have to tough. worry. Yeah, it's something you're going to have to worry about. But if he slips to the seventh, grab him. You know, fifth, sixth, I'm probably going some other options there unless, you know, a couple of guys, I get sniped on a couple of guys and there's just no one else, you know, in that realm. So I don't think it kills his fantasy value just because all the other options on the Broncos, you know, have either gotten hurt this season or are Cortland Sutton. So I uh, I still like Jerry Judy quite a bit. It just on a whole and a general season long stance. I think he's still going to be fine for fantasy just – he may not be there week one. He's probably going to miss time at some point this season with a hamstring or another injury, and it's just something that you're going to have to be prepared for when you're drafting. Yeah, Cody said it. If he's healthy and on the field, he is going to be the clear number one for the Broncos. I feel fairly confident in that, uh, but being healthy and on the field has always been a problem for Judy in his NFL career, so uh, that is the big question. I think in round seven, he becomes worth the shot. Uh, but yeah, rounds five, round six, I'm probably going elsewhere at this point, uh, considering his current injury status. Cody, let's go ahead and move over to our preseason winners and losers. So uh, we're going to go uh, with teams here, and then we can kind of talk about the fantasy impact of each one of those teams. Uh, I'll start with uh, my first winner, I think, he, this has been kind of the uh, consensus winner of the preseason as far as uh, a single team has gone, and that is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Their first team offense has been fantastic all preseason. Kenny Pickett's looked great. Camp reports have been very positive. Uh, I think pretty much all of their skill position players have risen in ADP, maybe other than Najee Harris because of Jalen Warren. But you know, even Najee Harris falling a little bit is because another running back has looked really good. So it's hard to say that. You know, it's not anything Najee's done necessarily. It's just that this other guy in his room has been, you know, exceptional. So um, I think the Steelers are definitely on the up and up. And I, you know, I, I'm not saying I'm buying the hype, but I have probably moved these guys up, you know, about a round across the board other than Najee. Yeah, I, I love it when you texted me, let's let's pull out some winners and losers. The first winner I thought of as well was the Pittsburgh Steelers. They, uh, mm-hmm. I think they overall just their team looks really solid. They their defense looks good, which it always does, but I think that's still pretty important. And then um, Kenny Pickett's just looked like a different quarterback. Now it could be throwing on the twos makes him look a lot better in the preseason, which definitely does happen as well. well but you know, you you got to look good one way or the other. No one in the preseason has looked terrible and then came out and tore it up <laughs> in the regular season. Like, you got to look good on the twos to be able to look good on the ones. So, I – yeah, absolutely. I think Kenny Pickett's going to be pretty – going to have a pretty solid second year. <laughs> and that is a good football guy t-shirt for sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I like the Steelers quite a bit. Um, I My first winner – Honestly, your two that you have, I think, are very solid. I'm not going to take either of them, obviously. But this is a team that I just relatively haven't been that high on this offseason. I feel like the New York Jets has had a pretty solid preseason. Now, it's also part of the hard knocks hype. So they've had a little bit more, you know, we've seen a little bit more of their team, I would say, the most. But Aaron Rodgers, if he is, you know, is he if he's as happy as he is making it seem to be in New York, then the, the Jets are they're already winning as a franchise because he's going to be buying buying away the best quarterback that franchise has had in a very long time. Um, so I think that's just a simple one. I like Garrett Wilson quite a bit. I think he's going to have a great connection with Aaron Rodgers. Seems like Rodgers has uh, has liked him quite a bit this offseason. Obviously, the Dalvin Cook Brees Hall situation is kind of a tricky one for running backs, but. For me, I think it's been pretty simple. Dalvin Cook's going to be dominant, not dominant, but good for the first couple of weeks. As Brees Hall gets worked back in, I'm sure he will take over the lead role as the season goes on. So first winner of the preseason and the early offseason, the New York Jets. Yeah, they were on my short list for sure. Uh, As far as teams go, I think they have definitely been a winner so far in the preseason. Like you said, Aaron Rodgers has looked good. He has been pretty happy. He restructured his contract. 
Uh, not only did they save some money against the cap, but uh, he gave a very strong inclination with that deal that he's going to come back for another year. Uh, the Jets have also signed Dalvin Cook, as well as getting Brees Hall off the pup list. So his uh, his recovery hasn't necessarily been as miraculous as, say, a Javante Williams, but it's gone pretty smoothly. I think it's safe to say he's on schedule at this point. And then, uh, you know, adding a Dalvin Cook to your running back room, never going to hurt things. From a fantasy perspective, uh, Dalvin Cook has definitely muddied the waters a little bit in the running back room, but Garrett Wilson's held firm. He was, uh, you know, an early second-round pick. At the start of the process, I think he's probably still around there. So hard to really rise too much farther than that. Uh, but yeah, the the team as a whole has, I think, done pretty much everything that they could do in this preseason to uh, back up the hype. I think the offensive line is a concern, but that was a concern coming in. So uh, hard to argue with that pick as a winner. My second winner is going to be Aaron Rodgers' former team. That's the Green Bay Packers, I think. Uh, Jordan Love and Kenny Pickett, maybe along with Sam Howell, have been kind of the three, uh, you know, maybe breakout quarterbacks uh, of the the preseason as far as guys that we weren't really talking about that much coming in that are getting a lot of buzz now, at least in two quarterback leagues and uh, just in general NFL sense. Similar to Pittsburgh in a lot of ways, the first team offense has impressed in the preseason. Uh, there's no major injury concerns here right now, and uh, the division is pretty winnable across the board. So I think there's reason for optimism here for the Packers. And I think pretty much all their fantasy options have seen their stock rise as well. Watson and uh, Christian Watson and Aaron Jones have pretty much stayed about even uh, from where they started just because guys in their room, Romeo Dobbs and A.J. Dillon, have risen a little bit in uh, in drafts thus far, and they've had some tight end buzz as well with their rookie guys, uh, Luke Musgrave in particular. So good uh, good preseason so far for the Packers. Hopefully they can carry it over. I guess I'm, uh, I guess I'm a Christian Watson fan these days. Yeah, who would have thought that? Huh? How the turntables. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, no, I, I love this pick. I think Jordan Love in particular has looked pretty good in the preseason, very similar to Kenny Pickett uh, and my new favorite saying I've ever came up with. Got to look good on the twos to look good on the ones, and I think Jordan Love has Oh, we're going to bury looked, this real quick. We're going to absolutely looked, bury this. <laughs> has looked pretty solid on the twos. So, um, you know, I think a lot of people, you know, if we even go back to the offseason, a lot of people have had a lot of, not very no, this not a lot of good things to say about Jordan Love. Obviously, I felt like the contract that he agreed to really didn't show a lot of, you know, self-confidence because if he thought he was gonna come in here and tear it up year one, Packers would have either had to franchise tag him or put him on a, you know, basically give him right a contract. That. So that is that was probably a lot of off-season talk. You know, now he's on the field, he looks pretty good. I like your Packers pick as well. Mine kind of similar, but uh, I think the team just had higher expectations going in anyway. The Jacksonville Jaguars have, uh, I mean, not maybe not on the field, have looked very good in the preseason. I don't know if I've seen any Jacksonville preseason tape, but overall there's been no major injuries coming out. You know, both running backs are still healthy. All their wide receivers are healthy. Calvin Ridley's looked amazing just on the uh, what has came out of camp so far. So, a lot of positive stuff going on for the Jaguars. I think Calvin Ridley, as we went over on our last episode, is one of the biggest risers in fantasy football right now. So just a lot of good news coming out of Jacksonville. I think they've had a great preseason leading up and just overall, you know, offseason leading up into the season. And, um, you know, I'm rising on them quite a bit. Hopefully they can make a run and, and win their division. Yeah, I did not have them on my short list, but it's a really good pick. Like you said, Calvin Ridley has definitely risen probably at least a round in fantasy drafts, uh, obviously because of how good he has looked on the practice field. So uh, that's good for the Jaguars as a team. Tank Bigsby has been uh, a big talk of camp. Travis Etienne has impressed a lot of people. He hasn't even really fallen in drafts at all, even with Tank Bigsby kind of you know making a name for himself. So. Yeah, I think overall they've had a pretty uh, pretty great preseason. No major injuries to speak of. Uh, they are you know locked and loaded, and they are in a probably the easiest division in the. I guess maybe other than the NFC South, you could you could argue either one of those two as the uh, easiest division to win. But uh, yeah, they have it all out in front of them this year for sure. Absolutely. All right. Well, we got right. we got the positive stuff out of the way. Let's get negative real quick, and let's yeah, let's talk yeah. about some teams that have been sliding this postseason or preseason. You know, uh, no one's ever gonna, no one can ever tell me I'm not honest on this podcast because my first loser is going to unfortunately be my Denver Broncos. 
Uh, stop me if you've heard this one before, Cody, but our entire wide receiver room has seen injuries basically across the board. KJ Hamler went on medical IR really early in the process. Tim Patrick, again, a season-ending injury, again in training camp, absolutely devastating. Now Jerry Judy dealing with this hamstring problem. Um, that's you know That didn't end up working out very well for us early last year, so I, I don't love that, obviously. Uh, hopefully Sean Payton's scheme is going to be a little more sound. It's not going to rely on individuals as much as maybe Nathaniel Hackett's scheme did, but uh, yeah, it hasn't been good so far, and they haven't looked great on the field, even when Judy was healthy. Uh, the game against Arizona where our starters played well into the second quarter. Uh, it looks shaky. It's only one game, so I'm not going to overreact. Our starting O-line did not play that game either. I believe both our starting tackles weren't in, so maybe it'll look better when they're in there. But uh, yeah, it's it's definitely not been a great preseason, mostly because of some uh, devastating injuries. Yeah, I yeah, I think you said most of what you need to say about the Broncos. It has been rough for them, but you know, most of this isn't necessarily – poor decision-making by the front office or by the head coach. No. It's just injury luck, which I think coming off of last season, you know, if you have a little bit of injury, you know, bad luck to start the season, but you know, the coaching scheme, the offense, or so the coach, the offensive scheme all looks a lot better. I feel like Russ can still get it done. He doesn't need top tier talent. If you know, he just is again, a good offensive scheme has a good offensive line. So well, like you said, it's going to be big. We'll see what this offensive line looks like when they get the first teamers out there. That's all going together. to be everything. Uh, that offensive yeah, line that's is one thing I don't. Everything, everything. I don't love. I feel like offensive line, one hundred percent. I feel like offensive line also always just takes a little bit of time to gel. Like most mm-hmm. offensive lines, just don't go out there as a new O line in week one and just start dominating. So no probably really would have at that. least that's played point, them. Though. Yeah, I probably would have played them a little bit in the preseason just to get some cohesion. But with the injury injury luck you've had so far, I don't blame Sean Payton for just saying, let's get to week one where we can't risk Mike McGlinchey rolling an ankle in a preseason game. So yeah, I, I get that. But again, injury luck is it's that's football. You know, everyone's gonna be dealing with injuries. Hopefully yours are just the start of the season. We get Jerry Judy back. The Broncos can compete for second place and everything is all good in, <laughs> in Denver. <laughs> I had to get that shot in there. Absolutely. Right, well, I mean, the, the Broncos, hopefully the please. Chiefs can, what's, hopefully what's the Chiefs are team? competing for second place too with no Chris Jones. So um but <laughs> yeah, for real. My first one is going to be the Los Angeles Rams. And this isn't necessarily going to be a big fantasy take. This has just been what their team has looked like uh, just overall. Because one thing about the Rams, I have heard this actually on multiple podcasts, so I don't know if this is a true stat or if a lot of people are just expecting this to be. They're going to be the youngest team in the NFL by quite a wide margin. Basically, they're relying on Aaron Donald, Cooper Cup, and Matt Stafford as their old guys, and everyone else is basically fresh out of college or just a couple of years removed. So I just – they're then I say that – because I would think these young guys who are going to be playing in these games would put up a better performance in the preseason. Obviously having Stetson Bennett and Brett Rippon out there is not going to replicate what Matt Stafford can do, but the Rams lost their three preseason games by a combined 75 points, including a 41 to zero blowout to the Denver Broncos this past Saturday. They are, I mean, they're one Matt Stafford injury away. If if Stetson Bennett is their idea of their backup quarterback, that's I, you should have just kept Baker at the at what <laughs> Tampa Bay is paying him. I mean, mm-hmm. we we were sitting there watching it at Saturday night. You know, a few few beverages in, so may may have you know ripped him apart a little bit. But he was just making terrible decisions and terrible it throws. It was like, a joke. It really was. It's not even going to be remotely close to NFL football if if Matthew Stafford goes down. The Rams the Rams might be closer to the Caleb Williams sweepstakes than the playoffs by week three or four depending on on how they're how what guys stay healthy yeah i don't know if you saw any of the uh the kelly stafford interview that came out either uh i don't know what podcast or whatever she was on it was a radio station or something but basically she said that her husband matthew stafford is having a very tough time connecting with the younger kids in the locker room and like you said it's basically entire locker room besides uh you know aaron donald cooper cup and a few other veterans but uh yeah there is a Huge youth movement going on in uh, Los Angeles. I think it might be good for them long-term, but there are definitely going to be some growing pains. 
I don't know what their over-under is on their win total, but I'd be pretty confident hitting the under on that right now because, like you said, if one of those three guys gets injured, Cup, Stafford, or Donald, they are going to be in very, very big trouble. They were number three on my board of losers, so good pick there, Cody. I like that one a lot. Um, my first or my second loser uh, out of the uh, the NFL teams here is going to be the Indianapolis Colts, largely due to the Jonathan Taylor drama. Just absolutely embarrassing stuff from their owner Jim Irsay early on in the process, basically calling his star running back out uh, for really no reason at all. Uh, the man's ego knows no bounds. Just need to know when to shut your mouth and uh, you know play good PR with your star player. Uh, Richardson's been okay. I don't think he's been bad. I don't think he's really knocked his stock down, but he has definitely looked the part of a really raw NFL prospect and he is going to have a lot on his shoulders with a poor group of skill position players around him and a poor offensive line. It's going to be a tough, a tough uphill battle for Anthony Richardson, uh, to start this year at the very least. And I don't know if you saw this. Uh, I, I know you, you, you mentioned that the Rams are going with the youth movement, the Indianapolis Colts do not have anyone over the age of 30 on their 53 man roster. Every single person on their 53-man roster is 30 or younger, which is absolutely incredible. I know it's a young man's game, but that is just wild to me uh, that there are basically no veterans on this team that have, uh, you know, I mean, uh, they're obviously you can have a five or six-year veteran that's 28 or 29, but still, that's just insane that there is that much turnover going on in this roster right now. So uh, hopefully they stay the course and really just commit to this rebuild. If they do, I think they'll be better in the long term, but they are in for a pretty rough year in my opinion. Yeah, 100%. I, I agree with you. I think, I mean, it sucks for Anthony Richardson because if he was going to become anything, it'd be a lot easier if he had a top five running back in the NFL to help him do so. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, also I, what sucks is I I love the new Colts coach, the um, – Steichen. Uh, now I, oh, it is Steichen. Who's the, yeah. who's the Cardinals coach? Gannon. He was the defensive That's Gannon. Yeah, 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 yeah. I always get those two mixed up. It is Steichen. I, I like Steichen quite a bit. I think what he did in Philadelphia with Jalen Hurts is pretty impressive. If we if you don't remember, basically, as soon as they switched play calling from the head coach to OC, basically Jalen Hurts became a different quarterback going to the end of la- the year before and then obviously last season where he was an MVP candidate for the entire year. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I, I think – I just – I feel like – the Colts are set up in such a way to have such a like a chance to take off, and Jim Mersey just makes me think that it's never going to happen. So that, I, I agree with you. There, there are some big losers. That's a really good point. Uh, I, that that is, you know, the front office can really ruin just about anything. But you know, if you, but I, I do agree that if they stay the course here with Saint Shane Steichen and uh, Anthony Richardson, they could have something special. Steichen's already shown the ability to adapt to his quarterback strengths, and Richardson. Uh, is what he is as a prospect right now, but definitely has some pretty big strengths being probably the most athletic quarterback to ever enter the NFL as a, uh, a 21-year-old. But uh, yeah, all their fantasy options besides Richardson, I am not touching right now. Pittman has plummeted, and I don't even know if I like him where he's going in the ninth or 10th round. I feel like it's going to be really hard for him to be anywhere near consistent. Um, they have no other pass catchers that even remotely interest me. And then like we, we talked about the running back room earlier, so I won't belabor that. But yeah, it's it's kind of a mess from the uh, fantasy perspective for them. Yeah, 100%. I would avoid, I would avoid the Colts at all costs. Obviously, I'm still okay if you want to try and uh, pair up Anthony Richardson with uh, Geno Smith or yeah, I'm actually yep. Kirk Cousins. I was My plan was to go um, him and Geno, and Kirk Cousins actually fell in our draft quite a bit. So uh, either one of those right two just – Yeah, just a almost. consistent, safe quarterback. Grab yourself Anthony Richardson. I'm fine with – other than that, the rest of the Colts you can leave alone unless yeah. Taylor falls, as we talked about earlier. Uh, yep. To get us out of here, my last team – I'm not going to necessarily call them a loser because I don't, I don't think it necessarily is going to affect their season as a whole – but I feel like the Bills having to put Von Miller on the pup list to start the season is a huge hit to them. Uh, if you don't remember, he got a massive contract from the Bills last season to basically come in, be the culture of their defense, and basically just you know be who Von Miller is. And I get you know paying him for that, but I think ultimately they would have loved to have made a move for Jonathan Taylor, Dalvin Cook, any of these running backs who have been available. They just can't. They can't pay any more money to non-premium positions since they gave out the Von Miller contract. So 
again, I don't think it's actually going to call you know ruin their season if Von Miller comes back and he's even fifty percent of what he was during the Rams Super Bowl run. He's going to make enough plays. It's going to be okay. But to start the season going into it and just thinking of what the what the Bills could be without that contract on their books, I just feel like again not losers, but I'm just trending down on them a little bit to start the season. Yeah, there's there is something a little off with this team for sure in a general sense. Von Miller hurts. He was well when he was healthy last year. He was playing like prime Von Miller, and their defense was great. And it really, really took a turn after that. They could not pressure the quarterback without him on the field. So they really do need him back and healthy, or they need someone to step up uh, off the edge there that you know can really get to the quarterback when they rush four. Uh, so yeah, I agree. The Bills uh, need Von Miller if they're going to make a Super Bowl run. Uh, and you know, him starting on the pup is not a great sign. Hopefully they're just being cautious there, but, uh, yeah, it, there's definitely been, you know, the digs drama earlier in the off season is just weird. And, uh, there is just something a little off up in Buffalo right now, but, uh, you know, they have a lot of talent, so hopefully they can put it together. 100%. Well, actually not. No, <laughs> they, they don't need to put it together. <laughs> if it's not my Broncos, I'm cool with the bills winning it. Screw your cheese. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Well, I think, uh, do you have any honorable mentions for winners or losers? Any other players or teams you want to throw out there before we honestly, I, so for losers, I was going to throw out the Rams. I, I, uh, so I'm glad you mentioned them. I think they were definitely going to be my honorable mention. Uh, if you have an honorable mention for either winner or loser, go ahead with it. I am going to double check my winners list that I had here and see if I want to mention anybody else. Yeah, winners, my only one I was considering were the Chicago Bears, um, just because when their offense as a whole has been out there, it has looked very good, which is exciting for Bears fans. I'm sure their defense is still going to be pretty bad this season, but for fantasy, I think that they are, they're definitely trending upwards quite a bit. Uh, Justin Fields has been one of my favorite picks in mock drafts and an underdog, so I think the uh, the Bears could be in for something special, even if it means I have to eat my DJ Moore take and uh, actually start to like him a little bit. Well, I've already eaten my Marquise Brown and Rashad Penny takes, and the season hasn't even started yet, so I don't feel that bad for you. But uh, my two other winners I was considering was uh, I was going to mention the Washington Commanders, uh, but with the with the Terry McLaurin injury, I kind of backed off of that because that could be you know an issue for them early in the year. But if he comes back and is healthy they fall right in line with the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Green Bay Packers, basically uh, the same mold where they have a younger quarterback that's looked pretty good, good defense, good, we're going to, you know, well-run organizations now that the commanders don't have to deal with. Now, Snyder, yeah. but, um, <laughs> my, my other, my team that I would go with is the New York giants. And I think they all, all the Steelers, Packers, commanders, and giants really fall in the same boat. They all have younger quarterbacks that are somewhat unproven. All are fairly well-run organizations. Uh, the commanders, you know, maybe on the outside looking in of the other three, but um, Giants' off offenses look great while it's been out there. A lot of positive buzz. No really big injuries across the board, and uh, you know they look they have a tough schedule, but they look like uh, they have a chance to impress. Yeah, I I love the commander shout out. They were actually one team I was considering. Again, the Terry McLaurin injury kind of scared me off a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I had them in the dock. You got your. I realized, nah, yeah, that's that's that is a bit of a negative. So I'll, I'll take them off. But my they, my they take was going to be if you found your quarterback, you would get rid of Terry McLaurin. Like if it if, if Sam Howell is going oh, to sure. end up being. Yeah. You know, a top yeah. 10 quarterback in the NFL, Terry McLaurin's an afterthought, and it's not even a question. So I think the commanders no are question. big winners, although they are losers at the same time because you have the head coach, Ron Rivera, coming out and saying, I didn't know he was this good last year. <laughs> Otherwise, I would have played him then <laughs> instead of Carson Wentz, who threw three interceptions in their uh, season-ending Week 17 game last year. So Yeah. Was Ron Rivera's got some watch. quotes, man. That's just I just don't, yeah. I just don't get that guy sometimes. You remember but. his? Remember last year when the the reporter reminded him that he was like eliminated from the playoffs or something? Like it was yeah. like he was on the podium and he didn't even know that they could be eliminated later that day. It's just yeah, that, that is kind of funny that he is a little bit absent minded sometimes. But uh, yeah, I think 100%. I think they're moving in the right direction. Yep. All right. Well, if you stuck around for the hour long episode, make sure to like, comment, subscribe. We're gonna have. Uh, Actually, a couple more episodes coming out. I forgot what we what they were. We're going to do NFL predictions overall. Uh, so oh, we're gonna yes. Just do like 
we're going to do our Super Bowl picks, do our division winner picks, and uh, you know all that good stuff. And then we're going to do uh, some best bets for the season, uh, long props. We'll do some uh, you know individual player props. Uh, we'll do some over under win totals. Uh, we'll do some parlays. We'll have some good stuff for you. The best bet show was uh, probably our best segment last year from just a overall success standpoint. Uh, so definitely check that one out. And uh, I was yeah, going to say, like, let's give us a do. Follow. We would appreciate it. This one came out Wednesday, so you're listening on Wednesday, hopefully. And then we'll do NFL predictions. We'll leave, we'll go Friday morning on that one, and then we'll just do okay. our season long best bets on Saturday. And then basically yeah. every Saturday from that point moving forward, you got 19 weeks of betting episodes to look forward to. So make sure to hit the yeah. subscribe button. If you're watching on YouTube, hit the like, comment, let us know what you think. Other than that, Nick, let's get out of here. Peace out, boys. Peace. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Fantasy Football Podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Podcast Network. Make sure to check out the boys on social media linked in the podcast description below. Subscribe if you have not already. And don't forget, you can't get into that algorithm without five-star reviews. So make sure you're hammering those for the boys. Peace out, everybody.